Welcome everyone to Anyways Back to the Godfather. I forgot the name of our podcast for a second. <laughs> Anyways Back to the what? <laughs> we are finishing out the movie alphabet. We're gonna go from P to Z. Also, we now have an Instagram just to post some pictures related to what we're talking about. And we've posted all of almost all of the Cinemonth poster recreations that we have made. Mostly Rachel has made. <laughs> and I might add that they are supposed to be viewed in, like, a very small context altogether, so blown up, they look a little bit rough. <laughs> no, <laughs> they still look awesome. Um, but yeah, there might be, like, some inside jokes on there. If you've listened to all the episodes, it's it might the, be fun. The deep fans. Um, so it's just A-B-T-T-G <laughs> underscore podcast is the username. Go give us a follow if you care for more. Anyways, back to Godfather in your life. Okay, so my runner-up for P is Psycho, which I was surprised didn't make my winner, but I love Psycho. It was my very first R-rated film. I remember watching it, and for some reason the rating didn't come up until the very end. (laughs) And I remember watching it and being like, oh, that's a good movie. And then I was like, (gasps) it was R? (laughs) And like, (laughs) deeply disturbed, but I watched it with my parents, and so I was like, okay, if they watched it with me, it's probably okay. (laughs) And historically, it's the first R film because it was retroactively rated R, because the, the R in the rating system wasn't in yet until after it had been made. I just love this movie. It I love Alfred Hitchcock. I watched um, the Alfred Hitchcock Hour a lot growing up, and this was, I think I'd, I'd seen a few others like The Birds, but this one was kind of like a, a very iconic first horror film for me. I love that it's shot in black and white. I think that adds so much to it. Hitchcock famously didn't want there to be any music, like in The Birds there's no music, there's no scoring, but then he heard Bernard Herrmann's violins which I think would not be the same film without those iconic, scary violins. I love Anthony Perkins and Janet Leigh. I think they do such a good job in it. And there's just so many iconic moments, not just the shower scene, but like um, the house is so iconic when she's driving in the rain. Like there's just so much that keeps me entertained. And every time I watch it, I'm always like, ah, this is such a good movie. I need to watch it more. So I love Psycho. It's kind of hard for me to remember how I felt when I first watched this because I've seen it quite a few times since then I've I've really grown to love it like I've had dreams about Norman Bates in a good way (laughs) okay I dreamed that I was a missionary and that Norman Bates was our investigator and we brought him to church and then somebody it was fast in testimony meeting and somebody was um (laughs) they were reenacting psycho as their testimony like they started like trying like doing a stabbing motion and singing the psycho music and I was just holding Norman's hand like it's okay like this is really triggering but you can do it Oh, because he had gone through lots of therapy in my dream, and this was his, like, coming to Jesus time. That is one of your best dreams. (laughs) Yes. So since then, I've had a a spot in my heart for Norman Bates, my investigator. When I was younger, I had seen the psych episode of Psycho, Mm. based on Psycho, based on Alfred Hitchcock, and the whole time time I was watching, I was like, I will never watch Psycho. (laughs) I will never, ever watch it, because I was so scared of that psych episode. I've corrupted you. (laughs) And I think Psycho was maybe the first like really scary movie that you made me watch with you (laughs) okay my runner-up was Pride and Prejudice and I did talk about this a lot I think on our episode with Emma and we talked about book to movie adaptations 
It's the Pride and Prejudice from, like, the 2000s sometime. With Keira Knightley? Yes, the Keira Knightley Pride and Prejudice. I just think it's beautiful. The music is beautiful. Keira Knightley's beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) It's just the feeling of the whole movie is, it just captures this romantic spirit, carefree, beautiful spirit. And I also just love the story behind it, that there's this woman who's not just going to marry someone because she's supposed to like she wants to marry someone for love and she doesn't care if maybe she ends up old and not married as long as she's found someone that she's end up with that she wants to be with which speaks to me I think (laughs) (laughs) um but it is just a beautiful movie and I love it and I've watched it many many times and I will watch it many many more times I've never seen it so we'll probably have to add it to the long list (laughs) so good okay my number one pick is Prince of Egypt course. Oh, I love it so much. I feel like it's one I've always loved um, since I was little, but probably in the past year, I was just like, I love this movie. It's so good. <laughs> and whenever I hear anybody watching it, I'm always like, can I come? <laughs> like, you were randomly texting me because you found out about um, Jeff Goldblum voicing oh, yeah. Aaron. And I was like, um, can I come over? And you're like, you've missed the best songs. And I'm like, no, I still want to come. And Nora and Sophie and Lana and Miles were watching it one time. And I was like, I'm coming over. (laughs) I love Prince of Egypt. It's so good. I mean, Ray Fiennes, we all know that I have an obsession with him right now, but he's just amazing in it. It's got a great cast. It's really star-studded, which again, could have ruined it, but instead I think makes it. And it was kind of fun for me because I grew up not knowing any of these people. And then being like, Jeff Goldblum? Like, these people that I do know now and love, they're, like, in this movie. Um, It's in this type, like, the 90s animation, which I love. Like, some of it's in 2D, some of it's in 3D. Like, I, for some reason, yes, I love it. It's so great. And I also love the stylized ancient Egyptian hieroglyph scene. Like, it's so cool from an art history standpoint. The music is so good. The songs, mm, I love it. And I also, there's just a lot of really cool theology in it. I was talking to some of my family members about this, but the whole burning bush scene, they were originally just going to have everybody be the voice of God. And then they loved Val Kilmer so much, Moses, that they had him be the, the main one, but they kept everybody else's voice. And so like, there's just so many cool like parallels you can take from that. Like there's a female voice in that. Deity is also female. And like when God speaks to you, it's through your own voice, but then you can also, I don't know. There's just like so many fun things you can take from that. Honestly, it's just such a masterpiece. I think it's one that I really associate with Easter for some reason. I think that's when they always show Ten Commandments, and I'm always like, "Fooey on Ten Commandments." (laughs) Prince of Egypt. (laughs) But more of late, it's just become. Anytime I want to watch Prince of Egypt, I will. It's so good. Mm, I love it. I have one memory of this when I was little, watching or being at someone's house and they're watching Prince of Egypt, and I just walked in and saw the Egyptian hieroglyph scene and being freaked out. (laughs) Like, what the heck? They're killing babies. (laughs) And then I left. I feel like it never fails to draw out the emotion. Like, I always get emotional at some point during it. And as Annie says, like, unexpected points. (laughs) The other thing I have to say is you have an incredible ability to sing Deliver Us. And that has become, like, legend. I can't remember. I think as roommates before you moved in, we had watched it. And then there was, like, a wasp in our apartment. And then... (laughs) So someone was posting on our war Facebook page, like, someone please save us from this wasp. And then Maddie posted, oh my deliver gosh. us the song. <laughs> so yeah, there's just a lot. I think in college is when it became important to me and yeah. meaningful to me. Um, because before that, 
just our family didn't really watch it, but it really is very beautiful. The music is so good. Yes, and, like, I love Sephora. Like, what an amazing female role model. She is very, very <laughs> good. the Egyptian mom, too. I love her. But I think one of the reasons we watched Prince of Egypt so much growing up is we were not allowed to watch any movies on Sunday except for Prince of Egypt and, like, The Sound of Music and maybe oh Annie. <laughs> so we were very limited in what we could watch. You couldn't watch Home on the Range? No. <laughs> That's what we watched every and Sunday. And I don't know that it was, like, a, a hard and fast rule. It probably was when we were younger, but, like, growing up we were just in this habit of, like, it oh, was we tradition. don't really watch yeah. movies. And so when I moved and lived with you and we would watch Disney movies on Sunday, I'd be like, this is weird. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's my life. But then you converted me. Disney Sunday. (laughs) My number one pick for P is Pocahontas. And I think I have talked about this movie quite a few times already on our (laughs) podcast. And I thought a lot about what I wanted to say for this episode. Because there's problems about, like, historical accuracy and racism and a little bit controversial. Like, I was reading the reviews of people on Letterboxd, and they were, like, tearing it apart. I was like, ooh, my heart broke a little bit. (laughs) But I just think, first of all, the music is so beautiful. Alan Menken, once again, we love him. But also, like, the the colors and the animation Mm -hmm. of it, like, watching it, I'm like, this is so beautiful. And it's kind of, like, my favorite colors, like, blues and um, pinks and purples, like, kind of the pastel colors, but also some green, and, like, the way it depicts the land in America pre- in, I don't know, imperialism. Yeah, colonialism. Natural, the natural world is so, like, romanticized and just beautiful, and I think that is so important. I don't know, the way it shows nature, portrays nature, and then I also love- John Smith. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> I have developed this love for it over the past couple of years where I just watch it and I'm so happy. And then I'll just watch it again and still be just as happy. <laughs> and I'll listen to the music and I'll be so happy. And so that's just made itself very important to me recently. Pocahontas is a great film. I really loved it growing up, too. And it's our birth year film, so. Mm-hmm. Okay, moving on to Q. Neither of us have a runner-up for this, although, interestingly, we've both seen each other's picks, so I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that we didn't pick. There's not a ton of movies that start with Q, but I'll go first. Mine is Quiet Place. I guess, technically, it's A Quiet Place, but dropping articles here. This is such a fun film that explores character perspective by using sound. And I'm sure there's been other movies that have done it, but I have never seen a movie that did it so in your face about it. Like, when it is from the daughter's viewpoint, you can't hear anything, and that's very intentional. And then when it's other people's viewpoints, then the sound is back. And it was just such a cool way of gaining character perspective that I don't know has ever really been done. I feel like Sound of Metal was the only other film that I've watched that, like, kind of played into this where you're like oh I know whose char- whose perspective I'm in depending on how the sound is. I love that it elevates deaf actors and shows how a really great film can be done using people who would normally be shunted from the cinematic world. One of my favorite things about this movie it's kind of like the horror film for people who don't like horror because like a lot of my family members who don't like scary movies have been able to sit through this and have enjoyed it. And I'm excited for the sequel to come out, but one of the things I absolutely loved about watching it was when you watch it in a theater with a bunch of strangers. I think I I often go to the movie theater to get the sound because there's a different cut for the sound. And to see it on the big screen, and, like, it's sometimes fun to watch and, like, have an audience reaction, but 
never had I experienced something like this before where the entire theater is dead silent and you like you can feel everyone just being like on the edge of their seat and so so scared you didn't want to because I think there's other scary movies where that level of intensity is there but people are like screaming or like making noises (laughs) to make them feel better but like dead silent you could hear everything in that theater because everyone was so quiet and it's just it's got a really good story it makes me cry every time John Krasinski and Emily Blunt do such a good job in it. It's such a good film. It's like a great film about a family and survival and I love it. Well, this was one that I didn't put a runner-up because I felt bad about all my other runner-ups. Valid. And also, I don't know, I just didn't love it enough to put it on my list, Mm -hmm. but this is a really, really good movie that I really like, um, but I think is a little too sad for me (laughs) to put it on my list. (laughs) That's valid. It's pretty heartbreaking. You know that I love a sad movie. (laughs) I know you do. (laughs) Okay, my pick for Q was Quest for Camelot, and this is not exactly a perfect movie. (laughs) A little bit cheesy, but this is one that... I have memories of watching it when I was probably like five years old at my friend's house and also leaving because it was too scary at one point. (laughs) (laughs) I've only seen it once, but... It was like towards the beginning when he's like turning everybody into the metal creatures. Okay. Gary Oldman. (laughs) He's so scary. (laughs) This is another one that we would watch constantly growing up is another Sunday movie. Um, Loved the music. This is where the song The Prayer originated, surprisingly. Oh, but I just love Kaylee and... Yeah, I remember really liking the the main girl. I've only seen it once, and I wasn't blown away by it, but it was enjoyable. Yeah, I think it's mostly nostalgic, sure. is why it's on my list for me. Um, Moving on to R, my runner-up is Return of the Jedi. This is my favorite Star Wars film, mostly for nostalgic reasons. I think most people are like... Empire, or the Empire Strikes Back is the best one. And I don't know that I've seen all the Star Wars enough times to be like, yes, definitively, I agree. Because I just love Return of the Jedi. We watched it the most when I was young. and But there are things that I just really like about it. Like, so much of it comes full circle with Darth Vader and Han and Leia's relationship. And, um, like, the ending is so fun. And, um, like, Lando's there, but he's actually... A pal instead of <laughs> turning hot easy. <laughs> and Catherine and Elizabeth and I would join in sometimes, but mostly they would do this thing when we were little and today <laughs> where we mute the TV and we narrate. I guess I should say they narrate. Like they just make up what's happening and it's super funny. And I like am so privileged when I get to be there with them because they are just <laughs> masters at it. But, so we would, all, we would narrate this film quite a bit, too. And Catherine is Luke, and Biz was Han. I never remember who I was in Star Wars. I think I was Leia, but I felt like I was too young to really do anything. But Catherine's Luke always has this really high voice where he's like, Hi, Han! <laughs> and for some reason, it's so funny. Like, anytime she does it, she did it during the new ones, too. And we would just die in the movie theaters. But um, I love the Ewoks are so fun. I love the ghosts at the end. Like, oh, that's Mm -hmm. so emotional. And of course, the Ewok victory song, which became a staple to ending each semester. But probably the main reason I love it is because it has my favorite character in it, Bib Fortuna. I love him so much. All five minutes (laughs) of his. (laughs) He is such a hero and the world needs to know how great he is. Nocha forever. I love Bib. 
You should probably never watch the extra scene at the end. They of... already showed it to me. Oh, and sad. I was so sad about it. <laughs> and it doesn't follow canon because you know I've looked up what happens to the Fortuna. Oh His brain is like transplanted into a droid. So you think that's canon? Yeah, like it was in the books. Like I don't know if the books are canon. They are one hundred percent canon. Bib Fortuna lives on forever, and nothing you can say can change my mind. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I also love <laughs> Return of the Jedi and Star Wars, but I don't <laughs> think I put it on there. What is your favorite? I think, to be honest, nostalgically, my favorite one is the second one. The Attack, Attack of, of the, the Clones. <laughs> That's because we saw it in the theater. Um, we watched it over and over again. And I love Anakin and Padme, even though, I don't know, it's like the forbidden love. And their dialogue is horrible. <laughs> it's so bad. But it's hilarious. Like, it's you go back great. and watch it, it's golden. Comedy <laughs> gold. And they're just so cute. But and on more... so tragic. <laughs> on a more serious note, their love theme is beautiful. Yes, that is my favorite. My favorite so um, Star Wars song, probably. Mm. Really? Is that one. I also do love A New Hope because I love how, like, it's rounded out, like, it's a good ending and sets, like, there is the opportunity for the other films after it, but yeah. I feel like in The Return of the Jedi, Luke takes himself so seriously. Yes, it's like, I love mm. it. I love it when he comes at the very, at the beginning scene, it is so good. Like, Jabba's Palace is one of my favorites. We would also always um, recreate... Java, this is your last chance on the diving board at our neighbor's oh pool. Oh my gosh. And like Catherine Elizabeth would always jump around and grab it. <laughs> they can never pull themselves back up, but <laughs> not quite strong enough. <laughs> but speak we also would recreate Pocahontas's dive. So oh. many of these things showed up in our childhood recreations. In the swimming pool. Mm-hmm. Like one of us would be in a coma and be like, Your father's back. <laughs> <laughs> not that way. <laughs> exactly. Oh, Jango Fett is probably my favorite character. Really? <laughs> so I love the second one because he's okay. from New Zealand. Oh my gosh. And he amazing. says that one line, pack your things, we're leaving. <laughs> and I quoted that one time and I was like, I have no idea what that's from. <laughs> and then we watched it with my family and I was like, oh, I quote that all the time. Amazing. It's Jango Fett. Well, I just have to note that we have the most obscure favorite Disney <laughs> Star Wars characters, Bib Fortuna and Jango Fett. And. That's why I love The Mandalorian so much, is because they brought that actor back. Anyways, we'll move on from Star Wars now. <laughs> so I picked for my own rep for R. I probably would change it now, but I put Rear Window. I think it's because I wanted to put a Hitchcock movie, since I do love his films. Rachel has introduced me to him. Um, and I think Rear Window is my favorite, just because it's so different from the other ones. And it's another one that's kind of like... It's a thriller, but it's not too scary. Yeah, it's more suspenseful than, uh -huh. like, terror. And I love the shots of the building and watching through the windows and I, seeing everybody's lives. I just think is very, very well done. Rear Window's a good one. My pick for R is Robin Hood, of course. It was actually the first movie that we watched together. But it was funny because I had to watch it for my Disney chronology challenge. And I was going to hang out with Lauren, and then I texted her, and she was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm just finishing Robin Hood, and she's like, I want to watch it. And I was like, okay, I'll come watch it with you. <laughs> Such a good film. It's witty. There are classic songs in it. Prince John and Sir Hiss are so, so great. They're so funny. It's so quotable. It's just so classic. Yeah, I love Robin Hood. And I feel like it's one, I think there are some Disney movies that 
if you didn't grow up with them, don't always get it. But I feel like Robin Hood is one that if I watched today, I, I would hope I would still like <laughs> get how great it is. There are some people in our life that do not appreciate Robin Hood because they do not like anthropomorphic animals, <coughs> Emma, but we will forgive her. And I think she understands how much we love it and can appreciate it to some degree for that. <laughs> but that is why we always sign off with a Robin Hood quote is it was the first movie we watched together. So um, yeah, and this is one I would probably put this as my runner up for our now. It's probably more accurate to be my runner-up because it's one of my most frequently quoted movies. <laughs> it's one that I watched constantly as a child. I always wanted to be Maid Marian when they're walking through the woods together. Oh. And since I watched it so often as a child, the score is like just woven into my brain <laughs> that I could maybe sing the whole soundtrack. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I don't, I probably couldn't. That's amazing. It, it's so good. Okay, my number one pick for R is Rio Bravo. And this is my favorite Western movie, so I had to put it in this list. And this is When I Fell in Love with Dean Martin. It's just such a solid Western. It's got all the characters. It's got John Wayne as the sheriff, and it's got Dean Martin as the drunk, um, <laughs> sidekick, what's it called? Deputy. <laughs> and then there's, like, another deputy um, shooter guy that's really good at shooting guns and then there's the old prospector guy that works with I love John him. Wayne in the jail and then there's the cowboy villains. I didn't super love the the romance between John Wayne and the main woman. Oh, yeah, that was a little odd. <laughs> Probably cuz John Wayne's just so much older than her, I think yeah. is the main I don't know. John I'm Wayne not... is a bit of a weird romantic. Yeah, he I'm, seems I to be more of a super... solitary. I'm not super into John Wayne as a lover. <laughs> um, Pilgrim but maybe that's why I love the movie so much, because Dean Martin doesn't have a lover in it. So you picture yourself. <laughs> I could put myself in that position. Um, and then there's a good ending that made me very happy, and it's just such a good... Touches all the bases for a Western, but not in, like, a cheesy way. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really well done. Yeah. So, Ryan Hatch picked Howard Hawks as one of his directors, and Rio Bravo was on the list. Or, no, no, no. I think... It was just one of the options because he'd already seen it. But you were like, I love this movie. And I, I don't think I would have watched it with you because it was during the uh, cinema month the first time mm-hmm. we did it. And so I was like, we have so many other movies you need to watch. But because it was Howard Hawks, I was like, okay. I don't really like Westerns and I would watch this again. Like, it's a good film. Mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed it. And it's got great music. I, I agree. It's a good one. Yeah, I think I... So I was going through, like, a kind of a, the beginning of my Western phase just watching, like, John Wayne movies on Amazon Prime, and there's one called The Sons of Katie Elder. I don't know if I've talked about it before, but there was one guy, one of um, John Wayne's brothers, I was like, he's cute. And then I found out it was Dean Martin. Oh. So then I was like, Dean Martin was in movies? So then I was like, oh, he was in lots of Westerns, because I liked him as a cowboy. So yeah. then I saw Rio Bravo was, like, one of the top-rated Dean Martin Western. So then I got it from the library and that's when I fell in love. And then you bought it. <laughs> oh yeah, then I bought it like the next week. <laughs> Which I do I do not have very many DVDs that I've bought and so that tells you how much I was <laughs> enthralled by I it. I remember even I was like, wait, you bought it? And I'm like, wow. <laughs> Moving on to S, my runner-up is, oh my gosh, you have two. <laughs> yeah, I have a lot. Okay, do one of yours and then I'll do mine. Okay, I can't believe I put this one. <laughs> 
My, my third runner-up was Secret Life of Walter Mitty, and I wrote 2013, because yeah. Rachel's always bringing up the old one I was just going to say, I'm going to make you watch Danny Kaye's version. Danny Kaye. I do love Danny Kaye, though, so I'm sure it would be fine. But I think I love this movie so much. I think it's so beautiful. Like, when he's traveling the world, the shots of the world like he is experiencing, I just really love it. Like, I love the feel of it, and... The idea that he is leaving this, like, desk job and going out and experiencing all these things that he's seen pictures of all his life, but going out and living his life and having his adventures just made me such a good, a feel-good film. Very beautifully done. Uh, I love the scene where they're singing Ground Control to Major Tom. It's funny. I love Ben Stiller. He's, he is attractive. (laughs) Both films deviate greatly from the actual short story because the short story is like very depressing. <laughs> like he lives in his fantasy world, but he has a very normal life mm-hmm. and never escapes that. And oh, and it also has Adam Scott. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I I hated him at first when I saw this movie. And until I watched The Good Place, that's when I fell in love with Adam Scott. I thought it's because you watched Parks and Rec. No, I watched Parks and Rec because we watched The Good Place. Oh, really? Because I was like, ooh, I really like Adam Scott. I should probably watch Parks and Rec. I need to figure out what to show you so that you'll watch The Office. (laughs) (laughs) How you can... Well, I do love John Krasinski, but... How I'll manipulate you into watching The Office. This movie's also very different from the Danny Kaye version. And so I think when I first watched it, I was like, hmm, I like the Danny Kaye version better. This isn't like the old one. My runner-up is uh, Sixth Sense. This is, I mean, I feel like most of my picks are just going to be scary movies. (laughs) There's so many fun twists and surprises. I actually knew most of them going into it. My sixth grade teacher spoiled. No! I know, I was like, stop talking! (laughs) But I still loved it, even though I knew. I think it's more fun not knowing, but it's still totally worth watching if you know the spoilers. The music is so good. I, it's, mm, Sometimes I will listen to it, even when it's not Halloween. It, it was funny because Catherine watched it, and Catherine hates scary movies. And she, like, told me about all, like, the scary parts. And in my head, they were so much worse. <laughs> like, when I actually watched the film, I was like, oh, this isn't actually as scary as I thought it was going to be. I think it's definitely one of my favorite horror slash scary films. Because it does something that I love that horror films can do is tap into this, like, total fear-based feeling, but then also, like, delve into what it means to grieve and loss and just, like, the beauty of that that's inherently there. It's so excellent. I watched it about a year ago, like, when everything with COVID was happening. I just, like, had all these feelings and I was like, I'm anxious and I'm sad and I need to, like, process these. And I was like, sixth sense, I'm watching it (laughs) in my bed and I'm going to sob and it's so beautiful. (laughs) It's one of my favorites. It's so good. Well, if you haven't watched it, then skip ahead for 30 seconds. But when I first saw it, I didn't know the spoilers, amazingly. When he gets shot, I was like, there's no way he survived because I'm in nursing school. (laughs) Of course, I have to uh, broadcast that to everybody. Like, I know he would have died from that. And nobody laughed. I was like, oh, that was kind of supposed to be a joke. Like, (laughs) don't they agree with me? Everyone's like, like, that's a spoiler. Um, But yeah, it is really good. This was another one that... I watched before I was very versed in scary movies, and I could handle it. I was still a little bit nervous <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> Left me with some creepy feelings oh, at the end, so but good. it really is. And the mother-son relationship is so good. Mm. It's so good. Oh. My second runner-up was Silver Linings Playbook. And this is one I've only seen it one time. I did watch it on Angel, uh, so I took out that words. 
I loved it so much. And I think, I think it's partly because, I don't know, I do kind of have this love for like psych, ner- the, I don't know, my mm. psych nursing I loved. And so he has, I think he has OCD. I've never or seen actually, it. I think he's bipolar. Okay. But he's dealing with these psych issues. And oh, his dad is OCD. That's what it is. But his, so it's Bradley Cooper, who I love. <laughs> oh, that all makes sense. Now. Yes. And his dad is Robert De Niro. Oh! And Robert De Niro made the movie. Okay, like, I have to one watch part, it now. <laughs> there's one part he made me cry, and I found out afterwards that that was unscripted. <gasps> Robert De Niro. And that. And I also really enjoy Jennifer Lawrence. I know some people don't love her, but I thought she did a really good job in this. She's a little bit annoying, actually, but um, I thought she and Bradley Cooper did really well together. And then I I loved the ending. I, I'm going to make you watch it. Okay. But... I'll definitely watch it, especially now that I know it has Robert. Oh, my Robert's the best part. He's so cute. Okay, my pick for S is Saving Mr. Banks. So I love this one because it's, <laughs> it was saved to my computer. I think when I was really into the Disney movie rewards, you could, like, Ooh. turn in points, and then you got stuff for free. And... You had that! Oh, yeah, I'm I still so do. I'm so jealous! <laughs> ah. It's not that great, because they sent me seeing Mr. Banks, but the DVD was, like, broken. Oh, my. <laughs> like, it's just super scratched up. Disney. I don't know. I know. Step up your game. But I have a digital copy of it, um, and so it was saved to my computer, and so anytime I was traveling... And there wasn't, like, back in the day when they didn't have the screens on every airplane, I would always just watch that. And it just makes me cry without fail. I always cry whenever I watch it. I think Tom Hanks does such a good job. I remember hearing about it, and I was like, Tom Hanks? There's no way he's going to be able to do Walt Disney. Yeah. Tom Hanks has a very specific way of speaking, and it's very distinct, and Walt Disney has a very- there's no way he's gonna do it. And then he really does such a good job, like- Tom Hanks is so- I'm amazed at how versatile he is. Yeah, because he doesn't seem like he should be. (laughs) I know, he is like- I don't know, you see him, you're like, that's Tom Hanks. Yeah. But then you- And I feel like he was typecast for Mm -hmm. a good portion of, like, his early films. But then uh, there's also- what's so fun with this movie is there's so many subtle nods to the deep films- of both Disney and Mary Poppins, the film. Like, if you have a chance to watch, I would do Mary Poppins and then watch Saving Mr. Banks, because you're going to catch all these, like, fun little nods they do to it. The score is so good. Thomas Newman. Mm. Um, my car is named after the nickname <laughs> of the little girl, so of course I love this movie. Emma Thompson just blows it out of the, the park. Blows it out of the water? <laughs> Hits it out of the park. Blows it out of the water. <laughs> I guess you could blow it out of the park. <laughs> Um, I just absolutely love this film. It has so many different meanings to me, um, and it's just such a fun story. Even though it's not entirely historically accurate, P.L. Travers absolutely hated the movie version of Mary Poppins, whereas this movie kind of makes it seem like she's okay with it. There's, it's so fun. And I, one of my favorite things, though, is at the very, in the credits, you hear the actual tapes of P.L. Travers and, like, how demanding she was and all the, (laughs) uh, peculiar things she would fight for and, ugh. So it's one, just one of the staple films, I would say, for, like, my late teens, early early 20s that really defined me. So I love seeing Mr. Banks. I do love the parts in Australia. <laughs> oh, And so Colin good. Firth, isn't it Colin Firth? Yes. Or is it Farrell? I always get them Oops, mixed up. Oops, Farrell is. <laughs> Why can't they have different last name, first letters? But yeah, he does such a good job in it. I think I've only seen... No, I've seen Saving Mr. Banks a couple times, but I only saw it once when it came out, kind of, and I just wasn't super impressed because it was very different from Mary Poppins from what I was expecting. Like, it was a totally different story, right? And so, and I think it confused me how it went back and forth in time, but Mm. I do love Tom Hanks in it, 
and I love Australia. Okay. <laughs> um, my number one pick for S is Signs, M. Night Shyamalan. So we watched this, I think it was for uh, October spooky it was. series. The October series, yeah. This was like a classic movie I'd never seen, and I don't really know why. And then I loved E.T., so I was like, guess I should watch the alien movies, even though the aliens aren't nice. <laughs> but the reason why I love this so much... Oh, first of all, I think this was the first Mel Gibson movie I'd watched besides Pocahontas, and it was about the same time that I was obsessed with John Smith. <laughs> so just hearing his voice, I was like, the time. Oh, there he is. There he is in real life, <laughs> 20 years ago. <laughs> so I loved that, but also... There were, like, these spiritual themes and signs that really hit me. Um, I think I've talked about how I often have, in this list, I've chosen a lot of movies that spoke to me spiritually. And so this was one at the end that I was like, is Emily Chavalon, like, Christian? Like, this is <laughs> such a he good Christian. He does have a Christian... lot of religious themes in yeah. most of his films. Like, this, it was really, it's about, like, your prayers not being answered in the ways you expect or, like, trials that are given to you for a reason that you come to realize later why you've been put through this, how your life is working out, even though it puts you through a crisis of faith. I don't know. I gave a whole talk on this. It's true. Based on this movie. Or just even, like, there are things available to you that will help you get through stuff that you mm-hmm. don't recognize yet. Right. And I think, I don't know, that's kind of a theme or something I try to notice in my life, how, like, maybe things aren't exactly how I expected them to be, but still noticing, oh, God is still part of my life. This movie is showing, like, God has been with him this whole time, and uh, I don't know, it just really, I was like, this is a scary movie, but I'm, like, spiritually touched, (laughs) and so that's why I love it so much. There's also some really good jump scares, that, Mm -hmm. and there's some moments that are so funny, like, I just love them. Joaquin Phoenix, I love him so much. But yeah, I've I find much inspiration from this movie, and it's a good one. I want to watch it again, because I only saw it that one time. I think you watched it with your family Mm -hmm. again. It's yeah, another one that you own. Watch it. Yeah, it's over there. <laughs> I didn't buy it. I asked for it for my birthday. Okay, next one is T. I also had three for this one. <laughs> this is why I didn't put yeah. one for Q. Okay, go ahead with your second runner-up. Thor Ragnarok. And I think I maybe have mentioned how this is my favorite Taika YTT movie. This movie, I wanted to see... When it came out, I wanted to see it so badly. I can't remember why. I think I loved Thor I loved Chris Hemsworth, and also I had heard it was funny, which is a little, like, Marvel movies usually have, like, funny bits, um, but they told me, like, this movie's hilarious. So I made my mom and my brother go with me to, like, a late showing at the Dollar Theater when we were, <laughs> when we were in Idaho. Oh, it's because my grandparents invited us to go see a movie with them. They wanted us to go see Wonder. But, and I was like, no, I want to go see Thor Ragnarok, because that was the movie I'd wanted to see, and they were in the theater at the same time, I think, but they were like, my mom was like, they won't like that. <laughs> so we'll go see Wonder. And then after we saw Wonder, my grandma stands up, she's like, it was even better the second time. And I was like, are you kidding me? You'd already seen it, and you made us go see it, and I wanted to see Thor Ragnarok. But you've got to see Dobby Diggs, so it's fine. Oh, is he the teacher in yeah. I just made that connection just now. <laughs> Oh, well, yeah, Wonder was good, um, but I just remember that fury, like, are you kidding me? You'd already seen this, and you made me come see it with you again. But I just laughed the entire time. It's so funny. Jeff Goldblum is in it. And yes. it brought out this side of the Marvel movies that had never really, 
I don't know, happened. Especially the Thor movies. There were two Thor movies before this that are really serious, like, take itself seriously. There's funny moments, but it's a lot, it's pretty heavy. Especially the second one, I feel like it's very heavy. And then there's this one that's, like, totally, like, ridiculous. <laughs> oh, and Mark Ruffalo that I love. But it's just one that I quote all the time, and it, it makes me laugh every time. It's just so good. So, I haven't seen it all the way through, but you did show me Jeff's scenes, because I love him, and the scenes of Taika, too. <laughs> I love it when he kicks the hologram. <laughs> it was very funny. My runner-up is Titanic! Oh, what a good film. It should have been my first, but at this point in time, I put it in as my runner-up. Now, you've already had your piece about Titanic, so now here I get to, to sing its praises. This is a movie that I watched with Catherine when we were little all the time. It's long. It's I forget so how long. long it is. And I'm so surprised that we even sit through it and watch it. <laughs> it was the VHS edited copy that was on TV once, and we, like, saved it to a VHS, and so it has some great edits. Like, Catherine and I watched it recently, and I was like, oh, there's, like, a lot of language and stuff in it that was definitely taken out in the TV version. But famously, Catherine and, or I would go up to the other one and be like, do you need a good cry today? <laughs> and that was code word for we are watching Titanic. And for some reason, I feel like it always happened when we were alone, like when our parents were out for something. But there is this <laughs> legendary one when we just started it and like the sepia people are like waving and it's the music starts and we both just started bawling. <laughs> like it wasn't even at the end. We just both started crying. Obviously, we love Cal. He is, like, such a terrible person, and, not like, anybody who's anybody would hate him. But he's so over-the-top and, like, just so extra that Catherine and I just love him, ironically. <laughs> <laughs> Everything he does, we're always like, I need a man who's gonna upend the table when he's upset. <laughs> but it's, on a more serious note, like, they did actually try for a lot of historical accuracy, um, like, a lot of the plates and some of these smaller details that aren't, like, crucial to the plot are actually pretty historically accurate, which is really cool. And people definitely get caught up in the love story, which is very silly and, like, I'm not into the love story. I think when I was younger, I was, like, totally into it, you know? Like, oh I loved gosh. I loved them. Leo. Yeah. <laughs> and Kate Winslet. But now it's more just, like, pfft, oh boy. It's so overdone and funny. And so there are a lot of things about Titanic. And that's what I think is great is... The fan base for Titanic knows that it's, like, Not... kind of an ironic love. <laughs> like, there are some things about it that are very impressive. Um, they built, like, half the ship and very much uh, experimented with CGI and doing different stuff like that. A huge uh, cast, a lot of background actors. It is... There are some things about it that, like, are actually very impressive. But <laughs> it's just great to find other Titanic fans because you love it and you also like ironically love it too <laughs> um but beyond the ties to Catherine and Cal and just we will like quote these random lines and it's so funny like any like when Jack's at dinner and he's like to making it count or like just now I'm here with you fine folk like we'll just quote it at the best times and it's so funny I attribute this to my beginnings of loving history. <laughs> wow. So I don't remember the exact timeline. I think the big things were this came on TV when we were at my grandparents' house and it was like the very end. And so I knew the very, like, I didn't watch the whole movie from the beginning. 
And, like, my grandpa would make really <laughs> funny comments, like, that were like, hmm, is that the best thing to say? <laughs> when it's, like, the boiler room scenes are happening and they're all dying and he's just like, they're all the first to die, it's fine. Like, he's just so <laughs> blunt about it. And we were all like, ooh. Very harsh. Um, but then we went to one of the traveling exhibits that has the Titanic artifacts and they, like, have an iceberg there that you could touch and it's as cold as it would be. And it's like Trek where they give you a person's name. And at the very end, oh you, like, see if they survived or whatnot. <laughs> I remember seeing how they barred off the third class passengers and just being like, how could someone do that? It was pretty, I was, like, in third or fourth grade, so I was, like, young enough that I hadn't really come into, like, a ton of the historical atrocities that humans inflict on each other. <laughs> this was atrocities. I think it's actually how you pronounce atrocities. it. Atrocities. <laughs> Sometimes my choice of pronunciation. But I remember just, like, being fascinated, and it was the first time that history had, like, really come alive for me in this way of, like, these are actual people who lived at this time, and then my obsession with the movie. There's this really interesting obsession with Titanic in general. There have been many tragedies throughout human history, including, ma like, massive sinkings and stuff. I don't know if it was these famous people that were on board, like the Astors, or just that everyone believed that... It was this, like, amazing ship that would never sink, and it sinks on its first voyage, and there's, like, just, like, all this romanticism that happens around it, too, or the fact that people recovered so much of it, and it travels through the country, and you see all these different exhibits of it. I don't know why there's such a fascination with Titanic. Okay, my runner-up is Toy Story. I feel like when I wrote Toy Story, it kind of encompassed all four. Mm. Toy Story was a very big part of my childhood. Like, my brothers each went through a Toy Story phase where they'd <laughs> fixate on one of the movies and we'd watch it over and over again just to make them happy. And so I think one time we were at someone else's house, they were babysitting us, and my mom's like, just turn on Toy Story and then the baby will be fine. And then the whole time I'm, like, quoting it. It's kind of like an I Am Legend. I don't know if any of you guys have seen that, but he's, like, quoting Shrek word for word because <laughs> it's the only movie he has. It was the same kind of thing where I was sitting there and just, like, quoting it, and I'm, like, eight years old. Amazing. And the neighbor's like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of felt like Pixar was part of our family because we lived in the Bay Area, California, mm. and that's where they were. They started. But, yeah, pre-Disney, pre yeah, Emeryville. And we would go to Emeryville. That's where, like, the there's a big mall there. That's where a movie theater is. Like, we go all the time. That's where I got my ears pierced, actually, was in Emeryville at the Claire's. How magical. Um, but... And Toy Story, another birth year movie. Another um, birth year movie. But yeah, and then Toy Story 2 came out, um, in theaters, and I can remember seeing that in the theater and loving it, thinking it was hilarious, I loved Zerg, and the Star Wars references in it, and, um, then we'd watch it constantly. And then the third one came out a long, long time later, mm -hmm. but still really good. Doesn't quite have the nostalgia as the first two do, but still so many fun references and the fun cast. It's fun to have them all back together. And, and like, I feel like from a film standpoint, it's a jail move, like a breakout. Yeah. And it also references um, Cool Hand Luke so much. And I feel like box. Shawshank Redemption it yeah. does a little bit. Yeah. And then the fourth one, I loved. I love Forky. I watched all three movies the day that we were going to go see it in oh, yeah, theaters that's right. that night, because I didn't have anything else to do. Rachel was at work, I was watching all the Toy Story movies. And I was so jealous! <laughs> so I think that's why I loved the fourth one so much, is because I just watched these three, and so I was able to see, like, all these, how all these things have come together, especially because, like, they bring back Bo Peep, and she wasn't even in the third one. Mm -hmm. and Just the, referenced. Yeah, and how at the end of the third one, I noticed, like, just watching the third one and then the fourth one right after it, 
Woody's, like, the only one that doesn't have somebody. Like, mm-hmm. Buzz and Jesse are dancing, and Mr. Mr. and Potato... And he's, whatever. like, snapping in the corner. Yeah, he's over by himself. And you're like, oh, Woody. <laughs> and then in the fourth one, he kind of finds his spot again. Like, and I feel he- like his spot was with Andy... And when Andy left, like, he was kind of like, well... Toy Story 4 is an interesting one. I feel like in my head I grouped them as the trilogy. And then, like, Toy Story 4 is with, like, the other little movies that they put out. Like, the Hawaii Vacation one and stuff. We'll have to have a a Pixar discussion sometime. I know. I'm, like, getting into all these. (laughs) I could talk about all four of these for a very, very long time. But you also love Forky, so... Yeah, I thought Forky was hilarious, only because I forgot his name. Tony Hale. Tony Hale was on a GMM episode that I, it broke me down. I, I was laughing so hard. And so when I was like, oh my, he's Forky, I like, I thought everything he said was hilarious. It's true. And everyone else thought, not everyone, but lots of people thought he was annoying. But since I had already had this love for Tony Hale, I was like, oh my, Forky is a genius. I feel, I feel like Tony Hale makes Forky. Like, if you don't know who it is, it can be, like, kind of yeah. hit or miss. But yeah. if you already love Tony Hale, then you're like, no, Forky is amazing. Because <laughs> you just imagine this grown man saying these things. It's so funny. They're just the most random things, too. But yeah, Toy Story. I wrote Toy Story because that was my first Toy Story and the most, I don't know, the beginning of it all. Yeah. Um, my pick for T is Toy Story 2. This, when I was growing up, I was like, this is the rare, possibly unique situation where the sequel is better than the original. And now I'm like, no, they're both great. Like, they're <laughs> they're pretty even. Um, maybe Toy Story 2, like, ekes it out just from that nostalgia. I love the music. Um, I listen to a lot of the Pixar scores and consistently Toy Story 2 is like my favorite one to just listen through all the way. It's so fun. They have some great new characters and a great voice cast like Kelsey Grammer. I love him. <laughs> He's in Cheers. <laughs> Who is he? He's a uh, Stinky Pete. Oh my gosh. <laughs> He's also um, Vlad in Anastasia. So that's why I also okay. love him. <laughs> But, so, I love the new characters that come. Like, Bullseye is adorable, and Jesse's really fun, too. And I love the buzzes. <laughs> the new buzz is so funny. And the whole thing with Zerg. Um, it's just a really fun way of looking at these characters in a different situation. And, like, the traffic cone scene. Like, there, it's just scene after scene of really funny, quotable, like, Al having to drive all the way to work <laughs> on a Saturday. <laughs> and he just goes across. It's There's just so many funny sight gags and different things like that. And the, the end in the airport is so fun. And the aliens coming back, like, it's just a a solid movie. I love Toy Story (laughs) 2. My number one pick for T was Treasure Planet. And that's just because that's been a more, a bigger obsession for me recently. I think Toy Story is probably higher ranked for me as a whole in my life. But Treasure Planet, well, I loved E.T. and space and stuff. And then we rewatched Treasure Planet and I was like, this is beautiful. It's space and a beautiful story about a boy trying to learn who he is and overcome the expectations that people have put on him and trying to figure out his life. And this is one I also remember seeing in the theater. Mm-hmm. My brother's name is James and my uncle called him when we finished. He was like, hey, Jimbo. And I was like, that's not his name. <laughs> Offended. But I remember seeing in theaters and it really is beautiful again the colors of like space and stuff just so soothing to my soul <laughs> and um 
a few very iconic lines <laughs> that made me laugh so hard. But yeah, this is just slightly nostalgic because we would watch it a lot also. There is that nostalgic piece too, but um, I think I also hit more now since I had that obsession with space. Mm -hmm. It surprises me that you watched it when you were little because I feel like, so I, I never went and saw it. I think we watched Atlantis and we were like, Nope. <laughs> and so we were like, Treasure Planet's going to be the same thing. So we never watched it. And then I had to watch it for my chronology challenge. I don't know that I would love it as much, except for you love it so much. And so, like, I think <laughs> part of your love for it has made me appreciate it more. It's a it's a good movie. Like, it it's really better it's a than I ever story. expected. So. Oh, and <laughs> reading through our text when we watched it <laughs> online, we watched it at the same time and texted about it. I texted, like, why am I so attracted to Long John Silver? <laughs> <laughs> But he okay. is such a solid character, you too. You have to put Long John Silver on on the Instagram, then, because I don't think most people know what that version looks like. Oh, my gosh. So you have to put him on. Because the alternate universe is Tim Muppets Curry. Treasure Island with Tim Curry, and everybody would understand why you were attracted to him. So, <laughs> because it's Tim Curry. Okay, I think we'll we'll pause for our sponsor story, which is me today. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by Chom Shakes. We There is a burger restaurant in Provo called Chom, which we also would Chom call- Chom Bucket. Chum or something like that. Chum yeah. Bucket. Chum Bucket, yeah. That's from Spongebob. Which I'm not familiar with. But I think Viz came down for a Provo hangout one time and it was like overpriced and just average burgers. Like it wasn't that great. But we did get on their birthday email list- <laughs> And so when it's your birthday, you got a free shake. And it was the like the first week of October in 2018. 18, probably. Yeah, because it was when we were living in Brownstone 11. So Lauren got a birthday email and it was like, you have to use it within a week or something. I think it was like conference weekend too. Something was happening where it was like, this is the only time if we're <laughs> going to go get it. Like Lauren could go get a shake by herself, but I wanted to go. And it was a Tuesday because I had Disney Club. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, I, we were, like, figuring it out and being like, oh, tonight's the only night that's going to work. Well, it closes at 10. Disney Club usually gets over, like, 9.40. Like, I think it was a planning meeting, so it was a little bit earlier. But I, like, swung by and picked Lauren up and then we drove and it was, like, three minutes before they were going to close. All day it had been raining so much and I think my weather app had been, like, chances of flash flood. It's going to rain all day and it's going to be really intense and be careful. And it, I remember driving and there weren't any, like nobody was out on the roads. It was like 10 o'clock at night, but also just with the rain. And it was like a little bit, ooh, there's like lightning and thunder and it's raining so much. And <laughs> are we going to make it in time to get Lauren's birthday shake? And we go in and it's almost time for them to close. So I'm feeling guilty. I'm like, oh, I'm so making sorry. Them stay after this. <laughs> so I remember like tipping them pretty highly and trying to be so kind and like as accommodating as possible. We finally got our shakes and we opened the door and right then there was this huge clap of thunder and lightning and Lauren just yells, flash flood! <laughs> and like everybody in the restaurant heard us. <laughs> it was just such a downpour. It was torrential rain and we're driving back and we have to park far away because there's not enough space in the parking lot. And we're like, is there going to be a let up? Do we, do we wait in the, <laughs> in the car? Should we run to our apartment? Which is like at least a block away through all these neighborhoods <laughs> and so we just decided to go for it <laughs> and it was raining so much and we just got soaked and as soon as we make it to our apartment building it stops <laughs> like if we had just waited a little bit longer it would have been fine but Lauren will post 
the picture of us just sopping wet <laughs> with our shakes, triumphant. That flash flood comment. <laughs> I was just letting the world know. <laughs> it's a flash flood! <laughs> and then I remember just, like, running back to the apartment just, like, with these giggles that I could not breathe because it's, like, raining so hard and just the end of a long day. Yes, and the flash flood really was so funny to us. <laughs> flash flood! <laughs> okay, moving on to you. My runner-up is your pick, so I'll just go ahead and do my pick for you is Us. This is Jordan Peele's second movie. I think it's the scariest movie I've ever seen. Just because I think other films are scary, but this one, like, shook me to my core. I was so terrified. I watched it with Elizabeth, and I remember we were the only ones home. And I- this is why I know it was scary, is because other scary movies, I'm just, like, watching it, and I get scared, but it's fun. I couldn't stop talking during this one. I, like, had to make noise. I was like, this is so scary. This. I'm not okay. Ah. <laughs> it was so terrible. Lupita Nyong'o does such an incredible job in it. The symbolism is so great. Like, there's so much to unpack there. Um, and it's just so, so deep. I love... I don't want to say too much about it in case people want to watch it. If you watch it or if you just need a really cool commentary on it, I have this amazing video commentary where they talk about different meanings of the title and just different symbolism throughout the whole thing. And that's what I love. Like, it, it's a scary movie, obviously, <laughs> but it deals with grief and loss and trauma and also just has all these social commentaries. So I absolutely loved it. And I swore that I would never make Lauren watch it and then I made her watch it. And you picked it for cinema. <laughs> but I think I gave you like, a lot of warnings because I feel like I was like, I'll watch it with you, but I will tell you when the scary things are coming. <laughs> and it's interesting you say you couldn't stop talking during this one, because I feel like I kind of watched it silently, because I was trying to process, like, what is going on? Because it's such a different concept, and also there's this mystery through the whole right. thing, where I, the whole time I was like, like, why are, what's their purpose? Like, why are they driven to do this? Yeah. So I was just, like, processing the whole time, and there were a few jump scares that I screamed at, as I tend to do, but then... <laughs> Like, afterwards, while I was processing, I went home, and I was terrified. <laughs> I couldn't sleep. I know. I remember being like, oh, Lauren wasn't that scared by this. But then the next day, I was like, oh. Yeah, I texted Rachel. I was like, I fell asleep at about 5 a.m., <laughs> and I wasn't even working yet. Like, I hadn't started right. night shifts. That Otherwise, that would have been normal. But I, I could not I'm handle so it sorry. when I got home. I, like... My brain just kept going over over and over again and, like, thinking of all the horrible parts and <laughs> thinking of, like, what happened. Because it is, the end is so unsettling. Yeah. And just, like, trying to figure out this whole movie, like, replaying it in my mind, like, oh my gosh. And I was trying to distract myself so bad. Like, <sighs> I can't think about it. I've, like, watched five episodes of Jane the Virgin. Oh my gosh. I think I was, oh, I watched Rhett and Link for a while. But <laughs> I, I just so couldn't. Bad. And I, like, I had, when I'm, like, really scared... I like fall asleep, but I'll dream about it, and then mm -hmm. I'll wake up again, and then mm -hmm. I'll fall asleep again, and dream and make myself wake up because I'm nightmaring so about it. Yes, I'm just never fully asleep. It's just a little bit miserable. <laughs> so this is why Lauren picked the horror film for this year's cinema, <laughs> and I think we have a new rule that either if we watch a scary movie, we have to have a sleepover, or if you're awake, you have to call me. And also keep me up. Yeah, and I think it is the scariest movie I've ever seen. Mm. 
I think Internet Movie Database put out, like, this thing that was, like, the core of horror, and it had, like, rings of what was the scariest movie. It's, like, Jaws. I actually <laughs> had a picture of it. Yeah, and Us was, like, on the third ring. So, right? Like, and I feel like we've seen things that's more in the middle, like, yeah, the thing. the thing was in the middle. Which is so fun, and I, I really liked it, and it had good jump scares, but I think Us is way scarier. Yeah, the thing did not affect me the way that Us did. Yeah. Like, I went home and slept like a baby after the thing, <laughs> and I don't know why. I guess... And Jaws. People think that Jaws is so scary. And I'm like, it has some good, oh yeah, intense moments. And, like, the way that Steven, we're on a first name basis, uh, <laughs> tells the story and, like, creates suspense is well done. But I'm not that scared when I watch Jaws. Yeah, Us <laughs> is just so unsettling. Like, so creepy rather than, like, scary. Yeah. I think that's the problem was that it was, like, the creep factor of mm-hmm. Us was, like, way too high for me to handle. Sure. And I think on one level it's like straightforward the movie is terrifying, but also the implications about the real yeah. world is also very unsettling and terrifying. Yeah, I do want to say I really did appreciate the commentary about it that you sent me and yeah. just like I think the... I made you watch it that same night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like this will make you feel better. I was like it didn't. <laughs> um yeah, it is a really that's one thing about Jordan Peele I really like is his ability to see these problems in society and make this movie that so subtly, but also not subtly, confronts those problems. Mm-hmm. Mm. So good. My pick for you is Up. Pixar's Up. This is just such a wholesome movie. <laughs> um, again, one of my most quoted, which is funny because Rachel like does not think it's quotable. <laughs> I quote it sometimes. <laughs> But you My ranked sheepish. it very low on your quotability. Wow, you remember that? I do. You were so offended. <laughs> I was like, excuse me, I quote up probably once a day. <laughs> um, but I love the story. This one is sad, but in a way that I love. It makes me cry, but not, I feel like it's not, in the, well, it is pretty manipulatively <laughs> sad. I don't know, it's just about, like, he's accepting the sadness and accepting like his life afterwards and and i love russell i love doug christopher Plummer's the villain which we discovered with maddie (laughs) and carl fredrickson i just love i love i have this love for old people because that's my job and rachel doesn't have that love you can have all that love (laughs) (laughs) sometimes they're a little bit difficult but i again they're so cute they make me cry sometimes (laughs) and he is definitely a very cute old man I'm with his little balloons, but yeah, it's just so whimsical, the story with his house with balloons, and as a child watching it, just be like, oh, I wish my house could float, and (laughs) I wish my dog could talk. It's just such a fun story, and Kevin, so surprising, so surprisingly (laughs) lovable. This was my pick for runner-up. I feel like after living with you, I appreciated it more. The first ten minutes are so masterfully done. Mm, or at least are. the whole, like, married life mm-hmm. sequence. And um, the music. Yes. And it is, it is this, like, really odd plot. <laughs> like, a man... <laughs> no, it's Heart of Darkness. <laughs> what? Did I talk to you about this? No. <laughs> it's this man going deeper and deeper into the forest, and then he confronts this... The horror. The su- supposedly, like, this awesome... Mm. His hero, right? Mm. Charles sure. Lentz is his hero yeah. from his childhood. And then Charles Muntz has changed in the deepness of the jungle. Mm, interesting. It is pretty crazy. Like, the, these balloons and then talking dogs and 
Charles Muntz should be way older than he is. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is so confusing. <laughs> but it is this amazing story about loss. How an old man, um, an old widower deals with loss, and then, like, a young child dealing with loss as well. Like, it's this weird place where it's accessible for children, and it's lighthearted enough for adults coming into it too, but then it deals with these really heavier themes. The other thing I was going to say about it is there are, people think, these nods to something in Disney's past, so... He created Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. I don't know if I know Oh, yeah. That. And then Universal, the Charles Mintz, stole it from him, basically, like, robbed Walt of this and took away all a ton of his animators, all except for Up Iwerks. And on the train back to California from New York, from this meeting where he just was, like, straight up denied Oswald, he draws Mickey Mouse and Mortimer Mouse at the time, but... <laughs> I love Mortimer. <laughs> so some people think that... This is a play because Charles Mintz, Charles Muntz, like, on... Because now Disney, they went and bought back Oswald, which is hurrah. But that Charles... Is it Muntz in the film? <laughs> I'm confused yeah. myself. That he's wanting to steal Kevin, essentially. And so it's, like, this kind of fun tip of the hat to mm -hmm. Disney history as well. I'm impressed that you like this one because it's so emotional. It is really sad, but in a way that I can handle it. <laughs> All right, moving on to V. We both only have a main pick. We don't have a runner-up. Um, mine is Vertigo, and this is one that requires multiple viewings. <laughs> but it's one that, while I'm watching it, I'm like, eh, I don't need to watch weird. this again. <laughs> um, I'll be okay if this is the only time. And then I, like, think about it, and it, I sit with it, and maybe a month later I'm like, I kind of want to watch Vertigo again. <laughs> But it's Jimmy Stewart and Kim Novak. They both do such a good job. There's lots of really interesting twists. Iconic camera work. We always try and find the Vertigo shot when it's recreated. Yes. It's when it's like to create Vertigo, the feeling. I can never remember which one it is. Either you zoom in on the camera while physically pulling the camera away or vice versa. And it creates this really unnerving, wobbly look to the camera. I don't know. You'd have to watch Vertigo to understand it, but... Like, the green light. There's just all these really interesting symbols. The the portrait with her hair and everything. Like, <laughs> there's a lot of really cool visual stuff at work and ways that they play with your expectations. It's, again, it's one that you're watching and you're like, why do people like this one? Why is this acclaimed? And then later you're like, whoa, <laughs> this movie is actually, like, a lot to take in and, and really, really cool. Yeah, I have to watch it again. I've only seen it the one time. But I think I have been like, I want to watch that again. Yeah. Because, yeah, the first time I was like... What is this drug trip? <laughs> <laughs> Especially his nightmare sequence. Yeah. It's a little, it's very different than the other Hitchcock movies. Yeah. And it is, I don't know, unsettling in a different way mm -hmm. than the other movies also. And I think that's why I didn't love it. But yeah, it's just different, but I need to watch it again. My V-pick is The Verdict. And this is Paul Newman. Oh. I think I put it on because I had just watched it. When we made the list. In November? Yeah, I watched it... Was it only November that we made this list? <laughs> it was, like, so long ago. I had some kind of free trial on Amazon Prime that The Verdict was a part of. And it was on my list of things to watch. I think it was probably an Academy Award nominee hmm. for Best Picture. And I love Paul Newman. And it was rated R, but it only had, like, five efforts. So I was like, whatever, I'll just watch it. <laughs> Under the limit. Yep. <laughs> Maybe a little bit more than that, but 
I just decided to watch it because I had to stay up late anyways for uh, the night shift the next day. And it's a courtroom drama. Mm. I remember being very impressed by it at the end and I don't remember if it made me cry or not, but it is a little bit different. Mostly I love Paul Newman and he does a really good job in this. He's pretty old. I was going to say, it sounds like a more recent film, which means yeah. Paul would be older. He's pretty old and he drinks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Yeah. But it is very good. I really liked it. I'll have to put it on my oh, list. Oh, it's because it's about a medical... Oh, okay. Like, someone's Mal- suing the hospital. Malpractice. And, yeah. So I think that also resonated with me since I'm working in the hospital. And you love court dramas, too. So, yes. I would recommend The Verdict. There's... Really, the efforts are only in one scene. Okay. Where his friend gets really mad and says it, like, five times in a row. I'm so mad! So kind of like the King's Speech deal where, like, there's just one spot you kind of need to skip if that offends you, but I really, I enjoyed it a lot. Okay, on to W. My runner-up is what we do in the shadows. (laughs) (laughs) We watched this for the October series of last year, 2020. Um, It's, of course, Taika Waititi. Have we put every single Taika Waititi film on this list? (laughs) I have to look and see. That's hilarious. It's vampires. (laughs) It's so funny. It is such a classic film for me because it's really funny. It has some darkness to it. And of course, I'm obsessed with vampires right now because of Nosferatu. But I just remember just laughing. I think because Biz recommended it to us. Like she said it was going to be really funny. So I had like pretty high expectations And it was so much funnier than I thought it would be. It's, like, irreverent and has some dark humor to it, (laughs) for sure. But I think I'd put it as in my top five movies that I watched for the first time last year. I love this film. I really want to watch it again. It's brilliant. And just everybody in it does such a good job, too. It's so funny. It's basically, like, a (laughs) mockumentary. They're all from New Zealand, so they all have... Oh, yes. I mean, they don't all have a New Zealand accent because they... Oh, my gosh. Are like Romanian What's and stuff too. What's the guy's too? name that's human? <laughs> oh my, I forgot. He's so cute. Everything about it. Like, I just keep remembering different things about it. And it's so funny. If you're going to watch it, please make sure that I'm there because I need every excuse to watch it. All right. You're runner up. Mine is Wreck-It Ralph. So I think this movie is so funny and so clever. Like, the way they included all these video game characters. Mm-hmm. Um, For me, all these, not all the video game characters because some of them are really old or from violent games that we never played in my house, but um, my brothers, I have three brothers, so we've played lots of video games at my house, and so when this came out, it was just really fun. Like, my brothers were <laughs> the trailers. Um, they'd be watching the trailer, and then they'd be like, there's Sonic! There he is! <laughs> Sonic! Sonic! There he is! And I do love the message of the movie, just how... Acceptance. Yeah, accepting people and how he's, like, the bad guy, but he doesn't have to be a bad guy. Like, kind of overcoming the stereotypes that you're in and his relationship with... Vanellope. Vanellope is a little bit annoying sometimes. I thought Vanellope's a little bit annoying, but she does have some good lines. Mm -hmm. I love King Candy. (laughs) (laughs) He's so funny. (laughs) And I love the twist! Mm -hmm. This was a shocker. Mm-hmm. My my brothers always we always just say turbotastic, <laughs> always, and we quote it a lot. And I just think it's this world that they created of video games is so clever and so and different that had never been done before. Fix It Felix Jr. Oh yeah, I forgot so about Fix It Felix. Jack McBrayer, he's so funny. I feel like it's one that I forget 
how good it is. Because I really don't like Vanellope. Like, she's mm-hmm. so annoying to me. But she does have, like, some moments that are redeemable. And I understand that her character is supposed to be annoying. Whenever I watch it, I'm like, oh yeah, this is better than I remember. But then I always forget. <laughs> <laughs> My pick for W is a surprise to nobody. Wait until dark. <laughs> this was my... I like to think of it as my very first film um, that I ever watched. No. <laughs> my very first horror film. I remember it was such an event. I'd heard about Wait Until Dark growing up. Like, Elizabeth would have a sleepover with her friends. And I, I would go, like, get a drink and, like, try and peek and watch it. But I was like, I know, I'm too young. I can't watch it. And then I remember when we were going to watch it, like, people came over. And my dad was like... There's a part where there's, like, a woman in a body bag, like, you don't want to see that, do you? Like, I'll tell you when to close your eyes. Like, just so protective. And now I'm like, I watch all this stuff. (laughs) But I I do remember we watched it Friday night, and I did close my eyes (laughs) in that one part. And then I loved it so much, I watched it Saturday night, too. (laughs) Oh, my god! By myself. (laughs) When I did open my eyes the whole time. (laughs) He protected you for one day. (laughs) But I think it's my favorite Audrey Hepburn film. She does Mm -hmm. such a good job in it. I love Alan Arkin. Oh, he's so slimy and gross and perfect. And just my hand, (laughs) Susie. And I have made it so quotable for everyone (laughs) because I like have the whole thing memorized. Um, I try and watch it every year. Some years I don't get around to it, but it is one of my all-time favorite films. So close to my heart. The music is so good. Shout out to Henry Mancini. Such a fan. The moment is what it's called in the... (laughs) I even have the chapter titles memorized. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love it so much. Of the play? Of the... You know, like when you can go to the DVD menu? Oh, the selection. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. So it's called The Moment. It's so sad because I've watched it too many times. I don't even jump anymore. It's so depressing because it used to get me all the time. But it's so fun to watch with other people because I love seeing them get scared. (laughs) Seeing them jump. Because they're not quite as desensitized to it as I am. And I wrote down three hearts (laughs) in my notes. (laughs) Oh, love, love, love. I'm mad she didn't win Best Actress. Oh, she should have. Did she get nominated? Yeah, she was nominated. For what? Oh, guess guess he's coming coming to dinner, which I have not seen. And The Graduate. And Bancroft oh, was wow. That was a stellar year. I love the graduate. And Bonnie and Clyde. Oh. Faye Dunley. Wow. You watched it. I feel like it was, uh, Kate Hales would do. Yeah, Kate Hales really liked nights. it, too. I think we watched it in the gap before you came. Okay. I think they projected it onto a sheet in the gap. I would have been like, everybody, shut up! <laughs> <laughs> this is my favorite part! Good thing you weren't there. For the whole time. <laughs> This movie is my favorite part. Ugh, Wait Until Dark is so good. Chef's Kiss. It is good. Okay, my winner for W is another Pixar movie. <laughs> There's so many Pixar movies for me that are the winners. <laughs> it is Wally. And this was one, I was kind of talking about this one with my family recently. I can't remember if I loved it when it came out. I know my mom didn't love it, but my she mom still didn't bought like it. it. <laughs> yeah. My mom still doesn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if my mom still... I mean, my mom bought it because I think she buys all the Pixar movies. That's how sacred Pixar is. Oh my gosh. Did <laughs> she, she even buy the good dinosaur? No, she didn't buy that okay. one. So never mind. We never... Cars 2? I think we might have Cars oh, 2. That's even worse. I guess it's another one that... I have developed this special spot for it in my heart since I've become obsessed with E.T. Just because there's a lot of similarities, I think, between Wally and E.T. They're both brown. They're both brown. They're both (laughs) small. They're both just pure and wholesome. I think the main thing is that 
Wally himself is so pure. Yes. And so cute. So cute. I think I did love it because I remember in high school, uh, I would always say, yoo-hoo. <laughs> <laughs> and that was kind of how oh my, my gosh, wave started is because he, the way he waves at people, he it's opens a... his hand and that's how I wave at a lot of things. It's true. I'm trying to describe it. I don't know. Cause we Maybe had... he does go like this, but. Well, our neighbor waves like this. <laughs> it's oh very iconic. Gosh. The Christian Knudsen wave. Everybody <laughs> knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> but um, it's not quite that. But yeah, I did love, so thinking about it, I think I did love it when I was younger too, but it has become even more special for me now. And then like reading behind the scenes how um, they use the Hello Dolly soundtrack mm-hmm. in it and uh, how the guy who sings it the out there song when the movie opens and that's the the opening scene is like the galaxy. I think that's probably my favorite part is the opening it's so scenes fun. about yeah. the with the galaxies and and then him on earth. Nice skate, a night sky. But the guy who sang it saw that scene he was like that's exactly what I was picturing when I sang that. Yeah, I think cuz we looked it up, we were like, "Why did Hello Dolly is so random?" Uh-huh. And then the director like, was just listening to music, and that came up on his playlist, and he's like, we should just put this into the film, you know? And then, what is, I, I want to say, I don't remember who originated the role on Broadway, but the director of the play didn't feel like he was nailing it, and so he told him privately, the actor, when you're seeing this, imagine space, and that's how he sings out there in the recording booth. And so, like, it's so ironic, this, like, happy happenstance that... They randomly chose it to be yeah. about space. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I also love him and Eve and their relationship and, and then it does have a happy ending. It is pretty sad in the middle and I think (laughs) it does make me cry, but it has a good ending. So then it's all better. (laughs) And it's one that I think I was like, the beginning is so cute because all of his little antics on earth, it's the best. And then as soon as they leave earth, it gets boring. But then I feel like when I would watch it with you, I was like, oh no, there are funny things. And like, mm-hmm. it still holds up in the middle and at the end. So, mm-hmm. and so much art history in the credits. I love those credits so and much. And so many references to Space Odyssey. Mm-hmm. That's why you would love it, not why I would love it. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it is a very solid movie that very special for me. All right, moving right along to X. Um, I originally, we didn't have any runner ups, I had X Men Apocalypse. I don't really, I, I filled this out with my letterboxed, and I think that was the only movie I'd had on there that was X. In preparing for this, though, I'd rather talk about X-Men First Class, because I just remember nothing about X-Men Apocalypse. <laughs> um, so, X-Men First Class, I haven't seen all of the X-Men Evolution, or <laughs> X-Men movies. <laughs> you have seen all the X-Men I Evolution. I absolutely have, many times. Um, the only reason I really love X-Men is because of X-Men Evolution, and I loved First Class because it's, like, all these origin stories of things that I was very familiar with, like Cerebro and meeting all these people and just different stuff like that. Um, so that's why I enjoyed it. But I really, I only saw it once and that's all I really have to say about it. <laughs> Although it was like, this is why the Cuban Missile Crisis happened. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I was old enough then to be like, ha ha. <laughs> but um, I'm very excited for you to talk about your pick. Okay. So I... I mean, I've seen the X-Men movies, and I did go back and think um, there's one scene in X-Men Days of Future Past where Quicksilver mm. runs. Yeah, I've seen that. That's probably my favorite X-Men moment Sweet of all time. Dreams. And so I would probably put that down 
as a real movie. As a more official. <laughs> yes. But I put XR as a movie that hasn't come out yet. For those of you who don't know who XR is. Which is going to be our entire audience. <laughs> so uh, there was a Buzz Lightyear Star Command movie that came out that's just a cartoon movie just about Buzz Lightyear as a space ranger. And it's very fun. It's it's not the best movie ever made. but <laughs> And it's like more about Buzz Lightyear, the like tv movie like it was supposed to be who the, it was the, the toy is modeled after of, oh oh yeah Spa- yeah. yeah buzz lightyear space ranger right and uh, they made a tv series about it after the movie um that was on like disney channel or something and i don't think it's on disney plus which is a big problem and it's dumb because they're making uh, you'll be happy because it's one of the curses oh, yeah. <laughs> but i already know about this <laughs> but they're making buzz's movie and it's like no, it already actually exists. You leave Toy Story alone. I know. <laughs> Stop I making. I don't feel very good about that. <laughs> but in this cartoon movie, there's this um, robot that they make called XR, which I think it means Experimental Ranger. Oh my gosh, I'm so impressed with you. <laughs> don't worry, we watch this very often, also as children, and as not children. <laughs> and so he's like supposed to be Buzz's partner. And then he gets destroyed and the aliens are trying to fix him. But at this point, problems have had. The aliens are no longer united. The Unimind. The Unimind has been captured. <laughs> so they can't make XR like he used to be. So then he becomes this crazy person. <laughs> He's like the comic relief then instead of like this robot guy. And I would love for them to make a movie about him. So that's what I wrote for my pick as x i can't remember if you made me watch the movie and or the tv series do you make me watch i made you watch the movie okay and then i maybe made you watch one episode of the series because i'm trying i have these memories of there was a very sexual woman in it or something yeah that's the first episode of the series okay. yeah the series is like probably 25 percent as good as the movie <laughs> and do both of them have um patrick orberton as well, the eight as the lgms i know that the TV series is basically all voiced by Patrick Warburton. <laughs> like Buzz That's is the 25% Patrick Warburton. That makes it. Aliens are Patrick Warburton. All the side characters are Patrick Warburton. Um, <laughs> I think they actually did get Tim Allen for the movie. And it starts out with the toys in like the 3D computer generated. And they're like, show oh! us the movie. And then they watch it. Yeah. <laughs> and that goes to 2D. Zerg is voiced by Al. No! <laughs> of Al's Toy Barn. <laughs> yep, Patrick Corbin is the LGMs. I thought so, because I remember they're, like, sped up. Yep. But you can still tell that it's you Patrick Corbin. You can still Warburton. hear Patrick's voice. <laughs> so, yes, that's a shout-out to Buzz Lightyear Starkman. You're gonna have to put XR on the Instagram okay. as well. <laughs> Our Y and Z are both the same. <laughs> they're limited choices. <laughs> Surprisingly. So, our pick for Y is You've Got Mail. Had you seen it before I made you watch it? Yeah, it's one of my mom's favorites. It's so good. It's one of two rom-coms that I actually enjoy. It has Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. We had the CD of just, like, the pop songs that are in it. I guess they're not all pop, but I listened to that growing up, like, constantly. <laughs> and so I'm more familiar with that than the actual movie. Now I, I love the movie and I've seen it lots of times, but I often will just get a You've Got Mail feeling. Like, a quote pop into my head or something and I just have to chase it. Like, I have to go watch it. This <laughs> happened a few months ago. <laughs> it's so good. I just love the, the quotes about longing and the loss of her mother. And it's about their relationship and the romance, but for me, it's more about, like, the wittiness and the cleverness. They do reference The Godfather. 
Yeah, the Godfather quotes, and she's like, what is it with men and the Godfather? <laughs> so that's always fun to hear. <laughs> yes, I love Tom Hanks being waltz. <laughs> ah! And we love Tom Hanks so much. It's true. It's definitely a felt classic. Everyone in my family really likes it. It's definitely one that I really enjoy and I watch probably once a year, I would say. All right, on to Z. We both picked Zootopia. I don't know if Zootopia is really, like, one of my most favorite Disney movies. Just because of the letter, but Zootopia is definitely a default movie for me. It's not one of my favorites. I enjoy it, but it also has The Godfather in it. (laughs) Yeah, that's the best part of it. I mean, and it's a fun story with Judy and Nick. Yeah, I do really like Jennifer Goodwin. It's clever. I actually just recently watched it because Deb hadn't seen it in a long time or didn't remember anything. But what I love is it's, like, the best movie about racism that's not about racism, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Like, it it covers this topic about prejudice that you're aware of and also that you're not aware of and different things that go on in society without, like, being super overt in your face. Like, if you're an adult, you pick up on it and you can, like, understand what they're really saying. But not that I'm like, oh, movies that are about overt racism are terrible because obviously I love those. (laughs) Like Jordan (laughs) Peele's are definitely on my list. But just a, a way I think of talking about it in a way that wouldn't get politicized quite so easily mm-hmm. or um, that people maybe wouldn't dismiss right away and could be like an opening for people to think about deeper things like that. It's also a really interesting look this time around that I was, because the Shakira song, like it's not that great, but I also love it <laughs> because Disney had this amazing time at releasing movies in a way that like spoke to me <laughs> at the time <laughs> I needed them. And for some reason they would always come around like a really emotional thing. Like Zootopia, I watched right after like a really bad audition for Disney and mm. like this whole thing about like, try again, try everything, like keep going. Like, oh, it meant so much to me then. It's not my favorite song for sure, but it like has this <laughs> attachment to it where I'm like, oh, don't give up on your dreams. And I think generally in the movie they talk about having this lofty idea of dreams, but also the harsh reality that exists, but believing in yourself while also dealing with that reality and then having to take accountability because like Judy straight up leaves her dream job because she realizes that she hasn't been true to herself or she does more damage than good. And so a lot of movies don't really show that. And also it probably has to do with, because the whole time I was watching it, I was like, Judy's a cop. (laughs) And like, (laughs) that is like, you know, there's just so much going on with that right now. And then to be like, oh, but when she recognizes that what she's done is wrong, like she takes accountability and you just don't see that often. (laughs) And so I don't know. I just really appreciated that. Godfather reference though. (laughs) (laughs) Truly the most important part of Zootopia. (laughs) Wow. We did it. We made it through our movie alphabet. This was the impetus for making our podcast, so now that we finished it, the podcast is over. (laughs) Guess we're done. (laughs) Look for a guest episode, because I think we're going to try and have one this month. And then get ready, because June's episode, I'm really excited for it. It's going to be a good one. (laughs) So stay tuned for that. You took the words right out of my mouth, PJ. Ginty, my love. Mm. I'm going to start crying already. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna move on before Rachel starts crying. The beginnings of my interest in history. So, oh, Jasper. <laughs> he, he disagrees. No, <laughs> Jasper loves Titanic. <laughs> I do really love courthouse drama. Courtroom. Courthouse? All the courts. <laughs> court. Basketball court. <laughs> tennis court. Space Jam's my favorite. <laughs> I don't know if that's a drama. Hoosiers.
Hoosiers is a court drama, I guess. There's there's a lot of basketball movies, like Glory Road. I haven't seen that. That's the only one I could tell. <laughs> a lot! <laughs> yeah, it, it is very clever. It has a lot of, like, the way that they integrate computer, or not computer games. <laughs> That's what I played as a youth. <laughs> Video games. Um, 